0: The reading this morning is from 1 Kings, chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. (coughs) When Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, and had achieved all he had desired to do, the Lord appeared to him a second time. As he had appeared to him at Gibeon, the Lord said to him, I have heard the prayer and plea you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple, which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. As for you, if you walk before me in integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and law, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever as I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you and go off and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among the peoples. And though this temple is now imposing, all who pass by will be appalled and scoff and say, Why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to the temple? People will answer, because they have forsaken the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshipping and serving them. That is why the Lord brought all this disaster on them. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Okay. Morning everybody. Lovely to see you all here. Well, let's pray. Lord, grant us the grace to desire you and in desiring to seek your face and that in seeking that we will find you and love you with our whole heart. And Lord, as we seek you, help us to be mindful of the fact that you are seeking us so much more. Amen. Now, a friend of ours called David Weller, he's uh, at the moment, he's the vicar of Rio. There's a job title for you, the vicar of Rio, (laughs) the Anglican community in uh, Rio de Janeiro. And he's a very dear friend of ours, him and his wife Sue. And uh, David loves to travel, okay? So he loves, he's been all over the world, but he particularly loves Africa. And he's had a lifelong dream of seeing a leopard in the wild whilst on safari. Okay, he's had this lifelong dream. And it's never been realised, or so he thought. He's got a photo in his dining room, and it's been there for years. And it's of an elephant. It's a fantastic photo. There, the elephant uh, that he displays proudly there, he took it whilst on safari. It's been there for years, like I say. And only when he went back to this photo years later and looked again closely to discover, he discovered something quite surprising. Something he didn't expect to find. In the tree, in the background, something was hanging down. And it was a tail. And connected to this tail, (laughs) you guessed it, was a leopard. Very much hidden in the branches of a tree. Almost camouflaged fully. Incredible sight. He couldn't believe it. His lifelong dream had been realised years before (laughs) he found that out. It was quite extraordinary. Something really surprised him. There was more to the picture, wasn't there? There was more to see. He was later to make a surprising discovery. I just hope David checks his church finances better than he does his photographs. That's all I can say about him. I have told him that. (laughs) King Solomon, in our reading, we heard just he might have been excused for thinking that he had a full picture, a complete picture of God and all that God expected from him and his people. After all, God had spoken to him clearly before when he began his reign as king. And that Bible passage referred to it, that this was the second encounter he had. So like all good films, let's go back, shall we? And let's hear about the first encounter. What was the first encounter Because this is really key to understanding the whole picture. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown me great kindness, and kindness to my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people And to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do for you what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there be nor will there ever be. Moreover, I'll give you what you've not asked for, both riches and honour, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And so that was the first encounter. You can read that, go home and read that, 1 Kings chapter 3, it's there for you to discover. So, when Solomon starts out as king then, As we heard, following in his father King David's footsteps, God appears to him. And we heard God do two things for Solomon on that first occasion. So in that first encounter, firstly, he gives Solomon permission to ask for what he really felt he needed. He gave him permission to seek God for the resources required to live the life God had always intended him to live. 1 Kings 3, verse 5, we heard it, didn't we? And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wow, what an open phrase. (laughs) Ask for whatever you want me to give you. If we do as Solomon was encouraged to do by God, then we can ask, feel free to ask for whatever you want from life. Individually, this means thinking about the direction our life is headed. Our calling to serve God through our work, our retirement, our relationships and our leisure time. The way that we encourage and build up the church here in this community. What do we want from life? How are we going to find meaning and purpose? But of course, if this is true for individuals, then it's also true for us as a community. What direction is our church life heading? What is our calling collectively to serve God? What is the vision God is asking us to fulfill? How will we find meaning and purpose as a community in this place at this time? And God asks us to do something very important, I feel, to search our hearts in order to discover the desires, the hopes, the longings, the ideas and the inspiration he placed there. That's what he did for Solomon. And that's why he was so delighted with Solomon. Because Solomon didn't ask for all sorts of things that he could have done, which had absolutely nothing to do with what God wanted. He searched his heart and found what God had placed there. The desires that really were in line with God's If you look closely enough, says God, you'll find my heart in yours. Even if you aren't comfortable with it, deep down you know what you need to be doing. You know what you ought to be doing with life, as individuals and as a church. Go with your gut instinct. Don't settle for second best. Don't take the easy option. What is it that you really want from life? Quite a few years ago, now about eight or nine years ago, Kate and I lived in Nottingham and Kate was training for ordained ministry. And we were coming towards the end of that and uh, I began to sense a real clear uh, calling that, that God expected more from me and he wanted something different and something new. And I remember on one occasion I dropped Kate off early one morning at St. John's College where she was studying and training And as I drove away, I really felt God got hold of me in a way that uh, he'd not done before. And And I began to search my heart. And I just knew that he wanted me to be a leader in his church. There was just no way of avoiding it. Deep down, I knew what it was. And for you, that might be something very different You may know what it already already is. You may have been living out that purpose for many years now. Or you might just be sensing that actually there is something that I know. Deep down, God is asking of me and he wants me to do. Take courage like Solomon. So having asked what it is that Solomon really wants, God does a second thing. No, sorry Abigail, just stick with the first one for now, that's it. Secondly, God gives a generous gift. He's a lavish and generous giver of gifts. He's going to give all that's needed for life. Years ago, I um, I was in full-time worship ministry and music, I was uh, writing songs and I was commissioned to write some books and I was leading uh, worship in various places and running conferences. And I knew this was what God had given me to do for a time. I knew this was the way I should go about ministry during that part of our lives. But it wasn't easy. It was really, really difficult. Because I needed certain resources to help me to do that. And around that time, Kate and I, we, uh, we called up some friends and we said, look, we need some uh, advice and we need some uh, prayer on this. They're older and wiser than us. And they said, well, why don't you come and stay with us? We'll look after you. and uh, and we can talk and we can pray. And so we did. And I remember our friend Philip, um, we went into the garden, and he was watering his roses, very particular about his roses, he's got a beautiful rose garden. And uh, he said to me, Tim, what is it that you really want to be doing? And so I told him, I remember telling him. And then he said, so what is it that you really need? Well, one thing I desperately needed to do my music, and to go about travelling around, was an electric piano. I really needed one, very desperately. And so I told him that too. And the next morning, over breakfast, they gave me a cheque. It was big enough to buy the best piano on the market. And not just the best piano on the market, all the accessories I needed, like a case and a pedal and a stand, to go along with it. How kind. It was ultra kind, wasn't it? If any of you would like to have a chat with me over coffee and ask me what I,
2: <laughs>
1: I really want at the moment. <laughs> I'm only joking. But it was, it was super kindness. But what our friend Philip did for me is what God was doing for Solomon. And therefore will do for each of us too. He's asking us to be sure about what we want from life. And to ask for what we really need to make that happen the resources to make it a reality. His promise is certain. When you realize what you should be doing, I'm going to give you all that you need because I'm a generous, I'm a lavish giver of gifts. I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to take your breath away with what I'm going to give you. That's what the Lord says. So, what is your life's vision? What do you want? Deep down, what has God placed in your heart? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with other people. Be honest with your home group or your friends or your prayer partners. Whoever you've got who you can trust. And then feel free to ask God for what you need. If it's time and energy to support your own family, then let God know. If it's the courage to let your faith make a difference, with your work colleagues, then ask the Lord. If it's patience and energy to be a good parent, then tell God about it. If it's the faith and the strength to see God's goodness in the struggles you face, then ask God. If it's inspiration for what you can do in your retirement, then tell God how you feel. And what is our purpose as a church? What do we want as a community, together. Solomon's story encourages us to search our heart collectively, to find the hopes and dreams God's placed there already, to explore what we should be doing, the vision we should be following. And then we need to ask God for what we need to do it. If it's leaders, then we need to ask for them. If it's youth or children's team members, we need to pray about it, ask God for them. If it's healing and forgiveness, we need to have the courage to ask for them. If it's more home groups, we need to ask. If it's a home group coordinator, which we really need, I'm praying for every day, for a a leader in this essential area of our church ministry, then we need to pray. If it's resources to help demonstrate God's love at work, then we need to pray. And our finances too. We need to seek God for those And if it's a lounge wall that needs to be knocked down to fit in your home group, David and Jenny Ranch, then you need to pray for it. (coughs) God has given us permission. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. But of course, as the picture shows, this is only half of the story. It's incomplete, is the picture. Like our friend David with this leopard that I told you about. There's more for us to discover. There's more for us to understand from Solomon's experience about God. So, moving on then. We heard from today's passage how God appeared to Solomon a second time. And this time, it was after the temple of the Lord had been built. After Solomon had put the riches God had given him. You know those riches that he never asked for? that God gave in addition to what Solomon asked for, Solomon put them to good use to the building of God's temple, a breathtaking house of worship. His father, King David, had had this lifelong dream of building a temple to the Lord. But it fell on Solomon to realise that dream. And after it was built, God encounters him again. And it's where we picked up the story. This time, God doesn't go over old ground. He doesn't take Solomon to some familiar territory and just uh, recover uh, the whole thing. No, He gives him some fresh perspectives, new insights. And He does two new things for Solomon to add to the two things He'd already done for him. So let's explore those now. Thirdly, God showed that His Word, His message to us, His revelation that comes to us in dreams, in flashes of inspiration, in ideas, brings with it God's endorsement, his approval, his royal stamp. By helping us find our purpose as individuals and a church and giving us the resources to make it a reality, God takes us seriously. He claims us and he marks us and all that we do with his name. Our lives... And the things we do carry the mark of God's name with us. God told Solomon, didn't he? I've consecrated this temple by putting my name there forever. Imagine a a really gifted silversmith. And they make a beautiful chalice. And they stamp it with the royal name. It's a similar thing God shows to Solomon and us too. That the mark of his name, his royal stamp, is on our lives and all that we achieve for him. God's mark, God's royal stamp, is on this building. is on all of us, all that we've ever done for him, and all that we will do in the future. And rest assured that as we explore our purpose together as a church, through our vision, the mark of the Lord's name will be on all of that too. It's an incredible thought, but I tell you what... (laughs) As I've thought about it, the implications are immense. It's not something that we can take casually or lightly. Remembering that the mark of God's name rests on us and all that we're about, I pray, will inspire us to remember why we do what we do and how we go about it. I hope it will remind us as we go about engaging with each other that we carry the Lord's name with us. Are are we to be critical? Or are we to honour the Lord? Are we to be harsh? Or are we to honour the name of the Lord that we carry with us? It's really a quite challenging thought. Carrying the name of the Lord with us will hopefully inspire us to do things in ways that honour and respect His name. Wherever we go, whatever we do. I also hope that it will help us not to take the faith God has put in us for granted and to constantly remember that he gives us purpose and the resources to fulfil it because he believes in us, because he takes us seriously. So if that was the third thing that uh, God did for Solomon, then there's even more. There's a fourth thing. God shows Solomon and us too that we don't just carry his name, Something of God is in the work, the purpose, the things that we accomplish. Like a parent. I know often as parents we see the bad things that we've given our children, don't we? Like Kate and I often see you know, the frustration, the way we show frustration. Our children show it, don't they? And, but sometimes we see a glimmer of hope. You know, like um, uh, you know, our love for music. And the children love music. And obviously my gift for dancing, Heather, you know, has taken after me. (laughs) But you know, something of who we are as parents, our children take on those things, don't they? And in a similar way, God can be seen in all that we are and all that we do. God can be seen. God told Solomon, after the building of the temple, that my eyes and my heart will always be there. What an amazing thought when you found your God-given, inspired purpose in life as individuals and the church and made that a reality with all the good things I've given you, I will be present in them. I will dwell in them. I'll be watching over you. You'll be able to connect with my heart, my love for you and the world, my heart's desire for the place where you live. In short, my heart will be in you and all that you do. And as long as we keep in step as a church with God's heart, as he told Solomon, our future is promising and it's bright and it's hopeful. But unfortunately, as we heard this uh, word of warning in the passage, if we don't, then the consequences don't bear thinking about. I, for one, want my own life and the life of our church here to be known for its integrity of heart for its uprightness I want us to be known for all the right reasons I want us to turn heads but not for bad reasons I want us to turn heads for all the right reasons and I hope you'll join me in that prayer now I've told you before and I'm sure I'll tell you all again that when I first came into this church back in May I felt overwhelmed by a sense of connection with God's heart. And your heart as a people too. And I believe God said to me, my heart will be your heart. And that's my hope for us as we seek God's direction. I want to ask you, will you join me in praying that prayer? For God's heart to be our heart. So there we have it. Two encounters that Solomon had with God that give a complete picture a full story of the way that God engaged with Solomon and engages with us too the first half of the story speaks of permission and gift feel free to ask and then freely receive feel free to ask and then freely receive and the second half of the story one of obedience and a promising future. So the questions I want to leave with us are these, and they hinge on this first question. Are we prepared to learn from Solomon's experience? I mean, are we really prepared to learn from it? Because it requires action. Will we have the courage to take advantage of the permission God has given us to say what we really feel we should be doing with our lives? To recognise what we know deep down we should do. What God has placed there. And will we ask God for what we need to make that happen? And more than this, will we live and act in ways that honour and respect the Lord's name that we carry with us? And will we look to do things in step with God's heart? Will we ask for our heart to be his heart? And are we prepared to be encouraged and perhaps even radically challenged by the fact that God is watching over us and all that we do? You know, it's an immense privilege to be believed in by God. To be given permission to ask for what we really want from life. And also to ask for the things we need to make it happen. Please, I encourage you, I implore you to not waste the opportunity. Because if we do it, what better thing to know that all we achieve carries the mark of God's name and comes with this amazing promise. My heart will be your heart. Now, uh, I'm going to sing us a song. (laughs) Might not have expected that. But it's a day when we get more than we expect. (laughs) And uh, this song I I wrote about eight or nine years ago, it was published around about then, and uh, it's called I'm Coming Back to You, My Father. And I want it to allow it to wash over you. Okay, Uh, I want to encourage you to be open to God, to receive from God uh, in it and through it and, and during this time. And take the opportunity to move towards God if you need to move towards God. Or to receive from God if you need to receive from him. All the good things that he wants to lavish on you through the goodness of his grace. So let's do that as we sing. Oh, as I sing. (laughs) Let's need a bit of water. (laughs) Ready now. Sorry, the pedal wasn't.
2: i coming back to you, my Father, back to your arms of grace. You went for us to meet this child, returning from the wilderness. Your open arms will hold me now To welcome home the one you lost Nothing I do can make you love me more And you will never love me any less Because Father, when you draw me close, I see a vision of the cross. Your loving arms outstretched for me, forgiving words that set me free. Father, thank you for your grace, it's so much more than I deserve. Father, thank you for your grace. I'm coming back to you, my Father, back to your arms of grace. You went for months to meet this child. Returning from the wilderness, your open arms will hold me now to welcome home the one you love. I do can make you love me more and you will never love me any less cause father when you draw me close I see a vision of the cross your loving arms stretched for me giving words that set me free. Father, thank you for your grace. It's so much more than I deserve. Father, thank you for your, thank you for your, thank you for your grace. Close I see a vision of the cross Your loving arms outstretched for me Forgiving words that set me free. Father, thank you for your grace. It's so much more than I deserve. Father, thank you. For your grace, for your grace, for your grace.
0: We stand together.